We're going to be in 1 John. It's the third book from the last book. 1 John chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse 8. Let me compose myself. Here we go. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. He is love. He doesn't just do love. He doesn't just act loving. He doesn't just speak in a loving manner. God is love. The very essence of who he is is love. His disposition towards each and every one of us is love all the time. It's love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. It was revealed to us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, to be the propitiation. I love that word. Propitiation, the removal, the taking away of, the complete eradication of our sin. This is why he sent his son. Father, we thank you for the son this morning. We thank you for your love this morning. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would have open ears, ears to hear, and hearts to receive your word this morning. And Lord, I pray right now that I would decrease so that your spirit would increase in this place. Because it's your spirit, God, that reveals your word to us. I pray you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better, so that we can reflect your glory, so that people in the earth would see our good deeds and glorify our Father who's in heaven. So Lord, I pray today we would understand this love, this incredible love that you have towards us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, amen. Listen, don't touch your neighbor, but say to your neighbor, positioned to love. Tell them, say positioned to love. Amen. Well, what's up, CWC? How y'all doing today? Are you good? Shout, I'm good. Come on, if you're good, shout, I'm good. Amen, amen. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads with us today. Yeah, let's give the dads a hand. Yeah. So I'm really saying give me a hand. And that, like, no, but really quickly, I would like to give a shout out to my dad because I know you're watching, worshiping with us. I love you, dad. Happy Father's Day. I appreciate you and pray that you have an incredible day. I take brownie points where I can get them. No problem using the pulpit to do it. Ain't scared of it. Ain't scared of it. But to all the dads with us, man, in the house, man, we, we speak the Lord's blessing upon you, his favor all about you in Jesus' name. And, and I pray and speak to, to you guys today that, that, that I pray that God would have his way in your life starting today in a brand new way in every other subsequent day from this point forward. Amen. amen. If you agree, say amen. amen. 
Amen. Amen. But, but look, I will say this, dads, <clears throat> this day is still about your kids. Like, <laughs> it's still about your kids. I thought about telling you it's about you, but then I'd have been lying to you. And so I thought, well, I'll just tell them the truth. It's still about the kids. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my wife the other day. I said, hey, babe, look, after church on Sunday, I'm going to go golfing, right? That's why I, I don't know why I do it to myself, but I do it to myself. So, so I'm going to go golfing. and I begin to list all the things that I got to do on a Sunday morning as if I'm trying to lead her in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and for mine, right? Like I'm like, hey, I got to preach two messages, honey, right? I got to lead a business meeting. And so I'm going to come home, do lunch with you. But then after all that's done, I'm going to go golfing. To which she replies, what about the kids? What about the kids? You can't take the kids golfing. I said, well, no, it's my day. It's Father's Day. To her reply, which is probably most wives' reply, well, every other day's your day. So, <laughs> so anyway, it turned into a whole thing. Um, I repented because I've seen my wicked ways. I said, forgive me, honey, for I have sinned. <laughs> No, but really, man, happy Father's Day, dads. We, we really do love and appreciate all that the dads do for their families and for the church family as a whole. Um, it's an incredible thing to see men of God loving God and loving their family. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And so we want you to know we love and appreciate you so, so very much. Okay? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So look, because it is Father's Day, <clears throat> I felt like it was really fitting to speak about our Father, to speak about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed be his name. Not talking about our fathers, plural, like individual, not our earthly dads. We're not going to talk about earthly dads because the, the truth of the matter is this. The sad truth is that not everyone has a great earthly dad. They, they just don't. Not, not everyone has a dad that loves them and cares for them, not everyone has a dad that takes them to do the things that they want to do, like hunting and fishing, or in my case, golfing, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it works out my salvation with fear and trembling, golfing. I got to practice every fruit of the Spirit when I'm on that tee box, every single one of them. But not everyone has a great earthly dad, a dad that had, had no interest in spending any time with them or loving on them. And so some of us have dads who are like that. Others have dads who are really, really hard on them, super hard on them. And it seems like they can never please their dad. No matter what they do and no matter how well they do it, no matter what they say or how well they say it, their dad just doesn't show them any love or tell them how much he, he loves them. And because this is, this is true about some of our earthly fathers, right? And they, they treat us this way. What happens is this. We have a distorted view of our heavenly father. Our view is distorted. This is something that I've run into time and time, time again. And this devastates me in, in such a way. And here's why. Because we as a people, we have a tendency to project our own images of what a father is and what a father does. Based off of our own experiences with different dads in our lives. And, and so today I really felt like the Lord wanted to set the record straight. Amen. Set the record straight of who he is, of the father he is, all the time without fail to every single one of us. With a message titled, Positioned to Love. 
Come on, say that with me. Positioned to love. That's what we're going to talk about. And look, we, we have to understand, okay, the love of God through the word of God. We have to understand and see the love of God through, through the word of God, not through our own experiences and not through our own lens because our lens gets distorted. Hear me, I want you to hear me today. God's disposition, who he is all the time, it's just who he is, he can't help himself. His disposition towards us is always love. Amen. Without fail, without fail. Matter of fact, right, we have to see and understand God's love for us if we ever want to be positioned to live for him. If we ever desire to be positioned to love him, because Jesus says, I know who loved me by those who obey me, right? But we have to understand his love towards us first before we'll ever be positioned to love him. We have to see and understand through the word. Romans 5.8 says this, that we love him because he first loved us in this while we were still sinners. Come on. While we were still enemies of God, separated from God because of the sin that had filled our lives, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, gave his life for us to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We've got to see and understand through the word of God that for so that God loved the world, that he gave his only son, proving that we have value that people are valued by God. For God so loved them that he gave to them his only begotten son, so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We, we have to see and understand through the word of God that in all things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Through him who what? Loved us. See, we've got to be convinced that neither height nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, no angel, no demon, nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that we have in Christ Jesus. This love of the Father that has been poured out for us so that it can fill us. It's an incredible truth. We, we have to see and understand the love of God in order to be positioned to live for God or to love God. And so, man, we're gonna do that. And I tell you, I tell you, man, we, the enemy has worked really, really hard to distort our view of God, super hard. God gets a bad rap. When anything goes bad, he gets the rap. When anything gets good, we take the credit. Praise the Lord. He's got a bad rap and the enemy is, has worked very hard to distort our view. So, so what I've been praying and believing is that by the end of today, we will, we will see this love that the Father has lavished upon us. I love that word. He's lavished it, poured it out in abundance so that there's no lacking of it whatsoever. He's lavished it upon us that we should be called children of the most high God because that is who we are. Amen. He is love, that's who he is. But we are called children of God because of this love that the Father has lavished upon us. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. 
Come on, tell your neighbor again, position to love. Position to love. And in Luke chapter 15, in Luke chapter 15, incredible chapter. In that chapter, Jesus gives three different examples, three different parables, articulating the love of the Father towards us. This is what he's doing in Luke chapter 15. And and he does this by, by starting off, by starting off giving us a parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost sheep. See, in this this parable, God is showing this incredible love for the one that is far from him, that has been filled by sin, and now that sin has led him away from God. Jesus is showing how how God comes after them, how, how God desires to know the one that is far from him, so much so that he'll leave the 99 that said, I love you, to go get the one who says, I don't know you. This is this incredible love. But something that we have to understand is this, is that one, because this is incredible for for us, this is good news. See, sometimes when when we're on the inside of the 99, we say, well, why is he leaving us? But something we've got to see and understand that at one time in our life, we were the one far from God. We were the one that was far from God. Romans 3 tells us this very straightforward. He said that you've all sinned fallen short of the glory of God. Every last, every last one of you, every last one of us at different times in our lives have been a person far from God, fallen away from God. Different times in our lives, sin has plagued and filled our, our lives. Now that might be breaking news to some of us, but it's true. We've all sinned and fallen short. And so that's what this text establishes, that at one point in time in our lives, we were far away from God. It establishes that at one point in time in our lives, we were filled with sin. That's what separates us from him. So in the text in Luke 15, Jesus is is establishing something new for us so that we can see this love that the Father has for us, so much so that he came and tracked us down. He establishes that God loves us so much that nothing would keep him from us. And after he reaches us, I love it because after he reaches us, it says that all the heavens rejoice for us. All of them celebrate our coming to know him and to allow him to fill us with his love. This is the parable of the lost sheep. And then Jesus goes into the parable of the lost coin. This is all about God's love, all about his love. And in the parable of the lost coin, what we we see is this, God showing us that all of us have great value to him, that we never lose our value, that even the one that has sinned against him and now in their lives is filled with sin, even they are of great value to God. We never lose our value. To him. For, for God so loved the entire world that he, he gave, proving the value of humanity, proving it. It's funny because Jesus says this. He says, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I, I came for the, the unrighteous. God's love for humanity proves the value of humanity, proves our, our value. This is the, the parable of the lost coin. We have value in the eyes of God, 
even if our lives are filled with sin, our value is never taken from us. So look, I have an object lesson for you today. Come on, somebody. You guys ready for that? Can you handle it? An object lesson. Say, I can handle it. I can handle it. I don't know, say something else to each other while it gives me time to get ready. Say, position to love. (laughs) Say, Pastor Keith looks good today. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Glory. All right. We got an object lesson. Because I really feel like some of us are visual learners. I'm a visual learner. But I feel like it's gonna show us something that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool anyway, that's why I'm doing it. But what we're gonna say is this vase. This vase represents us, humanity, people. It represents people, okay? These little styrofoam peanuts is going to be the illustration of sin. And this here, this liquid, this vase, is gonna represent the love of God and who God is in our lives and what he wants to do for us in our lives. And again, this is about God's love for us. But that doesn't mean that God loves everything we do. It doesn't mean God, because God loves us, it doesn't mean he loves everything we do. He doesn't love that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. You know how I know that? Because he sent the most loving thing that he possibly could have, his most treasured possession, his one and only begotten son to die so that we no longer had to live in sin. God doesn't love that we fall short of his glory and, and sin. He doesn't love the fact that at different times in our lives, we find sin in our lives. Doesn't mean that he always loves. The reality is this, that when we sin, sin will begin to fill us from within. This is, this is the issue with sin. It corrupts and decays our innermost being. It distorts everything in our lives. So yes, God loves us, but he doesn't love everything that we do, okay? He doesn't love that we abort babies. Doesn't love that. He doesn't love that we look at pornography. He doesn't love that we have sex outside of marriage. He doesn't love, he doesn't love when we We argue with one another. He doesn't love racism. He doesn't love gossip when we talk about each other. He doesn't love anger. God doesn't love when we love when we are in sin. He doesn't love the sin that we find ourselves in. He doesn't love that. Because when we live our lives with sin, we cannot be near him. Did you know God is perfect and holy and righteous? Perfect, holy, righteous, above all. He's he's separated unto himself. God is high above everything. So he can't be near sin. He can't be near it. Can't be near it. It's funny because in Galatians chapter five, right? Verse 19 through 21, Paul gives a list of the sins that we can commit. But he covers his basis by saying, these things, divisions and rivalries and dissensions and, and all these other things, but not limited to those things. Anything that looks like those sins, they will will fill your life. They will fill it. 
But James chapter four says it this way. This is, this is interesting. He says, anyone that knows to do good, but doesn't do it. For him, that person, for that person, it's sin. For that person, it's sin. See, Jesus knows how dangerous sin is in our life and how easily as we begin to walk this life, how, how sin can just keep pouring out and filling us as we go through this life and keeps sinning and sinning. It keeps filling and filling us. And so he begins to counteract what sin does to us in Luke chapter 15 by speaking about the love that the Father has towards us. That's the only counteraction to sin is love. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, not the fear of the Lord. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. I always say this, yeah, the kindness of the Lord will lead us to repentance, but the fear of God will keep us in a place where we don't have to repent. Amen. <laughs> he understands how dangerous this is, so he counterreacts it in Luke chapter 15 by telling us the parable of the lost sheep. This person is, is lost. He's filled with sin completely away from God. God has to be separated from him, but God loves him so much that he, he comes after him. There's over 99 people in here, over 100 and some people. And if one of us was gone, God would come after us. Even if our lives look like this. It's an incredible truth. The parable of the lost coin is about a person filled with sin completely filled with styrofoam peanuts. <clears throat> but God says their value is not lost whatsoever. They still have great value to me. And then he goes into the, the parable of the prodigal. He goes into the parable of the prodigal son. And this picture is an incredible picture of love that God has for us. Jesus opens this story up in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. He says, there is a man and he has, he has two sons, two. But the one son, the younger son, the younger son, says to the father, give, give me my inheritance now. Give me my stuff now. In other words, he begins to sin against the father. This is what it is. I don't want to follow your rules anymore. I don't want to do what you tell me to do. I'm tired of you telling me what's good for me. I'm sick of it. I, I wanna do the things that I wanna do. I wanna be rid of you because I think I can do it better without you. This is literally what the younger son is, is saying to the father when he begins to ask for his stuff right then before the time he was supposed to get it. He's like, I wanna get away because I wanna do it my own way. How many times have we been in our lives where we've treated God, the heavenly father, the same way? Well, I really don't, I really don't want to follow your word. Maybe this one, but, but not that part of the word. So I would rather do life the way I want to do life because I, I think that brings me some freedom. And so I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to ignore you, God, and ignore your word. I just want to live however I want to live. And sin begins to fill us from within. You know, I can remember at age 13 years old, age 13 years old, I was a boy who had this conversation with, our, with my heavenly father, same exact one. Nah, Lord, I, I, I really don't wanna keep following you. It, 
It just seems like a lot of work to do that. I kind of want to be free. I'm a teenager. I know everything, right? (laughs) I can do it without you, God. I, I can do it without you. And the sin that filled my life from then. See, the sin back then led to all these other sins in my life. And it began to fill, fill my life. It began to fill it. And it kept me away longer than I ever intended on staying away from the Father. And it led me further away from the Father than I ever really wanted to go away from him in the first place. So much so that by the age of 15, I was addicted to multiple drugs. By the age of 22, I was so addicted to heroin, I couldn't even get up in the day without having a shot. This is how bad it got. By the age of 28, I had spent multiple years locked up behind bars and behind big steel fences and block walls where I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. See, I thought by walking away from the Father, I was gaining freedom from the Father but it was actually the very thing that started to fill me and to to bind me. Because this is what sin does. It's what it does. It's the only thing it can do. We think we're getting freedom, but we're actually being enslaved by it. We're being enslaved by it. See, I only wanted to, when I was 13 years old and I was saying those things to God, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. Just a little bit. And maybe say some things I probably shouldn't say. Maybe even do some things I probably shouldn't do. But see, sin's never, never happy with just a little bit. So sin, it, it, it literally filled me. It filled me. It gripped me, it grabbed me, and it bound me so, so tight. It took me further than I ever wanted to go, and it kept me there a whole lot longer than I ever intended on staying. Just like the young man in this, in this story, the prodigal son. Just like the same way. This young man makes this decision to do what he wants to do. And the sin led him away from the father. He thought, man, if I could just, if I could just get away and venture out on my own for a little bit, it'll be cool. He thought the world would receive him and help him. This is, this is what he thought. But instead the world used him, filled him with sin and completely discarded, discarded this young man. See, the world is great at luring us in, isn't it? It's really great at luring us in. It's great at enticing us with fame and with fortune. It's great at enticing us with sex and drugs and rock and roll. Maybe not rock and roll anymore, but it used to be the old saying when I was a kid. Showing my age. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But the problem with that is, is a season is short. A season is short. The things that were once pleasurable in one season is the thing that is painful in the next season. It's so true. It's so true. The things that you thought were going to bring you freedom in the one season is the thing that that turns and binds you in the very next season. Man, I thought the drugs were gonna have, I was gonna have fun. I was just having fun, fun. But it bound me and it grabbed me. And sin began to, fill me. This is what happened to this, this young, younger son, right? This younger son, man. In one season, he's eating, he's drinking, he's partying, he's, he's sleeping with prostitutes, he's spending all of his wealth on frivolous living, doing whatever he felt like doing. In one season, he thought he was having fun. 
thought he was having a great old time. In the next season, as, filled, as sin began to fill his life, led him to the lowest point in his life, to the absolute lowest point in his life where he didn't even recognize himself any longer. Didn't even recognize who he was. No one wanted him. No one wanted to help him. But then in verse 17, the, the text says, says this, when he finally came to himself, when he finally realized, how many of you have ever been into, in a season like that? Where you're like, how did I get here? What, what happened for me to be, to be here? What am I saying and what am I doing? I can't, how, how did this happen to me? When he finally came to himself and recognized himself, he said, wait a minute, I have a father and I, I've got a father. I don't have to starve. I don't have to eat with the pigs. I don't have to get down in that, in that crap. Praise the Lord. I don't have to be there. My father takes care of his servants better than I'm taking care of myself right now. So I'll just, I'll just go to him. I'll just go to him. And then in verse 20, in verse 20, we're gonna pick the story up there and read it out. It says, and after he arose and came to his father, but while he was still walking a long way off, Jesus making sure that we understand God's gonna come after us because he loves us so much. But after he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion towards him. He ran and he embraced him and kissed him. He was covered in crap, but the father didn't care. He was filled with, with sin, but the father didn't care. He still hugged him, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son then begins to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Here comes his repentance. Here comes his repentance. Father, I've, I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't this exactly what the enemy does to all of us? We find ourselves in sin in our lives. And we go to God and we say, we're not even worthy anymore. And not that we are, but God says we are. Amen. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe I have. Put it on him. Grab a ring, put it on his finger. Grab shoes and put them on his feet. The boy didn't have shoes on his feet. Had barely any clothes on his back. I could just see him, bones sticking out all over his body. Not like me, I don't have that problem, praise the Lord. Sick, starving, hurting, ain't showered or bathed in a long time. And the father says, put the best I've got on him. Give a ring to him. Grab the fatted calf and kill it for him. And let's celebrate. Because my son, my son, who was once lost is now found, who was once dead, but now is alive. So let's all celebrate his return. It's incredible. It's incredible. The father was happy to see the son. The father was happy to be with the son once again, because the father is always positioned to love. 
always positioned to love. See, see, sin will, will try to keep us. It'll fill us and try to keep us from the Father. It'll tell us the Father don't want us. It'll tell, tell us that the Father wants rid of us and doesn't want us to come back. It'll tell us, the sin will tell us we are worthless. It will. That's what it does. But see, the Word of God tells us something completely different than that. This parable, this parable paints this beautiful picture. This beautiful picture. That even though the Son had filled His life, it was His decisions, by the way, to do what He did multiple seasons in my life it was my decisions that led to sin not the devil it was me his decisions led him to be filled with sin but even though that's the truth the father still longed longed to be with him longed to bless him longed to fill him with himself to fill him with the best he could possibly give him. And the moment that the son called out just a little bit to him, the father came running towards him. What a love. The father hugs him and kisses him. The father shows the value that he has to him by giving them the robe and giving him the, the ring and the shoes and killing the fatted calf. The father was positioned to love the son, no matter what the son did. Because the father's always positioned to love. See, in our main text in 1 John chapter 4, it ties all this together. I'm bringing it back in. Bet you thought I forgot about it. 1 <clears throat> John chapter 4. Anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Again, he doesn't just do love. He doesn't just talk about love. He, he doesn't just act in a loving way or feel love. Right? We always say, well, I don't feel like I'm loved. No, no. He is love. His disposition, the very essence of who God is, is love all the time. He doesn't know how else to act. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us for us to see and, and to understand that God sent his only son into the world. This shows our value. You're valued because I give you my most prized possession. I give you my most prized possession, the father says, so that those who are even filled with sin can understand that I love them. Showing us this, that that God may not love the sin that has filled our lives, but he loves the life that's filled with sin. That life is precious. God sent his only son so that we may live through him. In this is, is love. Not that we've loved God, not that we've positioned to love God back, but rather that he loved us. That he sent his son to be the propitiation, the removal, the washing away of all sin. This is what it means. Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
washing away every sin that we've ever committed. The Bible says that when we come to him, God takes our sin and he throws it into a sea of forgetfulness. He separates it as far as the east is from the west. Them two never touch. They just keep going that way. And so sin just keeps getting further from us and further from us as God fills us with his love. It's incredible. And then we stand before God as though we've never sinned in our entire lives because love keeps no tally of wrongdoing. No tally. He's not marking up the tally on how many times you've messed up. It's all clean. At different times in our lives, we've been the prodigal son. We've been like the younger son. God, I wanna do what I wanna do. I'm sick of trying to, to live this life. I, I, wanna, I wanna experience the world. But the moment that we we came to ourselves. The moment we called out to him, he came running toward us and he started pouring, started pouring his love on us, filling us, filling us, filling us, filling us. To the point to where the sin doesn't even exist. See, his love washes away all sin. Like there's not like a little remnant left. There's not like just a little bit that you've got to hold on to or, or remember every day. No, 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 no. When God comes, when Jesus is our savior, all who call on his name shall be saved, completely washed away every sin because love covers a multitude of sin. It gets rid of a multitude of sin. This is how powerful, how great the love of God is towards us. That he completely, completely disintegrates it. He eradicates it. Never to be brought before us again. See, we've got to see and understand his love. So that our sin can stop lying to us and keep us from him. I feel like this morning that the Lord really wanted to to talk to some of us because we've got a distorted view of God's love as if we've got to earn it. We've got this distorted view of his love and he wants to show how he's wanting to lavish it upon us. This love that completely washes it away. Because if we don't understand the love of the Father, we'll never be able to understand how to live for the Father. It just cannot happen. If you could go ahead and stand to your feet, please. God loves us in spite of what has filled us. In spite of the sin that once filled us, God loved us, God loves us anyway. He loved us anyway. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. This is what it says, that anyone who calls on his name shall be, will be saved. That it's by grace through faith and faith works through love. It's by grace through faith that we are saved, not through works, lest no man should boast. Lest no man should boast. This is the love. This is how we live and we move and we have our being, being saturated completely in his love. We are saved by grace through faith. And this morning, I really felt like the Lord wants to 
to begin to fill some of our hearts with his love. We've done a lot of things in our lives. We've got a lot of styrofoam peanuts in our lives. But this morning, God wants to do something new in your life. He wants to wash it completely away where there is absolutely not even a remnant of sin. You know, the Lord gave me a word a long time ago. It was soon as he came in and he spoke to me one night laying in bed. He said, it is finished. It's done. The enemy's had his day. It's done. I go and I flush all this dope down the toilet. I come back in. I come to my, my senses a couple months down the road. The Lord said this to me. He said, I'm going to cleanse you in such a way that people will never even be able to see drug addiction on you. That there won't be a smell of drug addiction on you. I've actually had people say to me, you're making that story up. I'm like, no, I wish I was, actually. I had to walk through hell. God had to pull me out of hell to take me to heaven. He don't want a, a hint of sin in our lives. So he, his love completely erases it. Listen to me. This is why it doesn't matter what you've done. This is why it doesn't matter where you've been. That it only matters who you serve and who you allow to fill your lives. Come on, worship team.